0: Hi, welcome to Crossing Borders Conversations, creating dialogue around migration. My name is Owen Savage. At Crossing Borders, we empower people by creating spaces for dialogue around some of society's most important issues. The aim of this podcast is to create conversation around these topics and inform you of some of the work we're doing across the world. As of April 2021... Denmark decided to revoke residence permits for Syrian refugees. Denmark claims that Damascus and the surrounding areas are now safe to return to, but is the first European state to do so. The UN High Commissioner for Refugees, along with Amnesty International, has expressed concern over Denmark's decision. Some 35,000 Syrians currently live in Denmark, more than half of whom arrived in 2015. Some of those who have been given a temporary residence permit have been placed in a detention center and some have been subject to questioning from immigration officers about their Danish proficiency and level of integration. Due to this, there have been recent protests in Denmark. I spoke with Morten and Agob from Trampoline House, an organization that works to ensure the sustainable integration of asylum seekers and refugees. I started off asking them about why they took part in these protests.
1: I think the reason I went there, just because I I somehow feel you know uh, this also means a lot to me, you know that uh, of course, my residence is still working, so I'm, I'm, I still have the right to be here but but next maybe the coming days it could be me next time, you know, so I just yeah. felt uh, responsible to just show up and and hear the uh, young people speeches and stuff. Um, yeah. All right. well, and how about for you, for you, from
0: your perspective? Well,
2: yeah, I'm, I have a Danish citizenship, so uh, I'm on the in the safe zone. But uh, I think that for me, uh, the, uh, the the approach of uh, you know how how the uh, uh, Danish government nowadays um, um, treat. Democracy uh, is a threat to democracy itself. Uh, mm. This way of using uh, uh, scapegoats that are sort of, uh, you know, refugees, most often, is really dangerous to the way that that they, uh, you know, the, the the way that they uh, they're destroying society. Uh, yeah. And I'm speechless mm. when it comes to the way politicians are uh, abusing their, uh, their uh, chair in the parliament nowadays. And what do you think it is especially
0: about Denmark that is allowing this kind of uh, decision to be made? Because when, yeah, when I was reading about this sort of decision, I was talking about how yeah, n- nobody else in European states have decided for uh, deeming Damascus to now be a safe place to return to but is uh, the Danish government that are acting in that way but from your perspective why do you why do you think as someone living um, in Denmark
1: well for me actually I, I still don't believe what is happening you know like or it's really hard to digest what is what has been like been said like yeah uh, but, but, for so long time, but I mean, like, we're talking about Syrian right now, right? So, it, it just doesn't make any sense for me, you know, because, uh, like, well, Syria is still in war, you know, like, uh, seriously, I don't know how to uh, to convince someone that Syria is in war, you know, I cannot uh, prove that, you know, by, uh, just by speaking, you know? Yeah. But it, it just feels like the more... Uh, the, you know, the more evidence we have, you know, and like, uh, uh and like the, the less people believe in facts, you know, like, uh, like it has been 10 years. We were just celebrating the 10 year, uh, anniversary, you know, of, of the Syrian revolution and, and things are getting even worse, you know, because Assad is going to be reelected. You know, this is, uh, this is going to be like, uh, p- p- hell, you know, like, uh, um, so, I don't really get it, like, the way they consider, like, Syria and, uh, you know, and the surrounding of, uh, uh, Damascus and the surrounding, that it's is safe, you know, and where, like, there are so many uh, reports, so many researchers, you know, like, uh, saying the opposite, you know, but the government are still, uh, you know, insisting and are, are, like, not even apologizing for what they have actually so the recent report that uh, was some some of the researchers that has been involved in uh, studying the situation, you know, there that uh, I heard like eight or nine people have said that this is wasn't this wasn't what we what we actually said. So this is not true. So oh, so the government was mis- misused. Yeah. So they misused all these information. You know that. Uh, people have been working on in in 2018 or something Um, it's just hard to to believe that it's you know that this is going to happen so now revoking people's uh, permit you know like thinking that it's more uh, uh, useful uh, for people to be in a a deportation camp you know where most of the people are like uh, and the students, or working, or whatever, you know. So it it's just so painful, you know. Like uh, I really felt that it was so um, painful to see these young people on the uh, at the demo, you know, like yeah. speaking about their life here in Denmark, and and it, everything was said in Danish, you know, like like how the hell do you, you know, like uh, uh, the. How is this possible, even like? Uh uh, And what do your, because your
0: some of your Syrian family now live in Sweden, don't they? Exactly. So have you noticed like, how have they reacted to this sort of Danish
1: news compared to what they experience in Sweden? Well, my um, my mom is actually a Swedish uh, got Swedish citizenship like uh, half a year ago, and she. and she arrived to Sweden a year and a half or two years after me, yeah. arriving to Denmark. Um, but maybe my friends are like, you know, just like... Uh, seriously? Are you okay? You know, how seriously do you... How do you... How is it even possible uh, yeah. for you to stay there? Are you considering going somewhere else? or What are your plans? And you know... No. And I just say the same things that, as I just said to you, you know, that I... I seriously still don't believe it that it's... But I'm also afraid that it's gonna happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And how about you, moment from the perspective of the Well, you know,
1: I
2: started uh, recently uh, to promote uh, both on Twitter and Facebook um, this uh, hashtag uh, social fascism, Mm -hmm. because I think that uh, social democrats are actually moving away from uh, democracy and straight towards uh, fascism. And it's by the time to call it out uh, because the way they um, abuse and destroy democracy uh, is uh, really uh, beyond comprehension. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm speechless mm. and I think that it needs to be called out um, uh, because uh, it's not even necessary. I mean, they, I mean, they claim they have all these problems of integration, but it's not true. I mean, we we proved in uh, Trampion House, where we both of us were working for uh, many years, we proved that it's possible to integrate uh, people if you use the right tools. And uh, if you ask the uh, municipalities around in uh, in Denmark, they say, well, uh, we actually, especially in the western part of, of Denmark, they say, well, actually, we, we want more refugees because all the Danes have moved to Copenhagen, so it would be really nice to get more population. Uh, and, and they said, well, this is cool. Uh, it's, uh, you know, These people work, and uh, if, if we find work for them, uh, it's not a problem. Um, all this is being, has been lost since they created this paradigm shift where the focus is on returning people. And the insanity of this proposition to re- revoke uh, 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 like the uh, permits for refugees from Syria right now is that they know they can't send them back. So they are going to end up in uh, Castle Gore and uh, mark Now, they know that this is insane. They know that it is, they're just destroying people's lives. But they do it anyway because, and this is what Rasmus Stockland said on the radio, because it's very important that these people do not get more attached to Denmark than to Syria because, because if they are, it's going to be hard sending them back in three or five years when the conflict is over. So they know the conflict is not over, but they say, we have to put these people in the camp so they forget about Denmark. They do not become integrated. And... You know, this is. If if that's if, if that's not fascism, I don't know what is. So well, this is. Go. Oh yeah.
1: This is go. this is also feels like sometimes like <laughs> it's just their the way. You know. Now they call it. Uh, uh, you know. You can go voluntarily home, right? But it just feels like they. It shouldn't be called like that. So they like. Uh, so. So they, they actually, uh, uh, all, all the things they do are against human rights and against uh, all the, you know, uh, international uh, you know laws and organizations and stuff. So it, it just feels like um, just putting people there to kind of give up, you know, and then they would say, okay, I want to go back home. So like forcing people, so it's also a way like you are... Uh, uh, forcibly like urging you know people like putting them in this place where they lose uh, hope and everything you know because they can't while
0: they're in that situation they can't yeah engage with the things would sort to keep them living a healthy life like doing doing their work or learning something that's all
1: exactly yeah, you have so limited that. access to to everything you know like you have. You you are nothing. You're just a number. You're just a statistic. You know, like being there and 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 also outside of the camp. You know, like as a refugee, it's uh, it's it's also the same. But there, it's even like um, the worst. It's even worse than being in a in a Danish prison. You know. Um, and how
0: did so you were both involved with Trampoline House, and how do you see how do you see Trampoline House as a in relation to what you just talked about. So you have this sort of people being in detention centres and almost being starved of doing the things which keep you going as a human being. And what did Trampoline House offer uh, in comparison to that or in contrast to that?
2: I think what we tried to offer was uh, uh, citizenship of Trampoline House, which uh, of course was not the same. It didn't have the same value as citizenship to Denmark but um, it was about carving out a territory uh, and, and at one moment like for five years we had a territory of 500 square meters and then some because we had the backyard as well <laughs> um, and we were constantly trying to incre- increase uh, you know the, the territory uh, but the reason why we needed that was because <clears throat> because of the structural racism in the Danish society, is it has a, a, like I mean, nobody wants to recognize it. And that's the worst situation, when people don't want to recognize the racism that they are actually, uh, uh, you know, swimming in. It's all over the place. If it's unrecognized, it becomes dangerous. And and the, especially in the Danish society, m- much more so than in any other of the uh, societies uh, in Europe, because we don't even recognize that we have a colonial past. Uh, mm. So so there's just some really important work that has never been done in Denmark. And and we felt ten years ago when we started Strandbened House that it was impossible to uh, to um, uh, change that without being able to experiment with more inclusive democracy. Okay. And that's what we wanted to do in uh, in Tramplin uh, House, and that's what we did for 10 years. And you know, there's a lot of, now that, that we have lost the house, uh, it's very easy to say that, oh, it was perfect. Of course, it wasn't perfect. <laughs> there was a lot of problems, but we were trying to deal with them. And, and as long as you have a territory, you have a possibility to try to deal with things uh, when, uh, when problems arise. Um, and just bring, not to cut you off, but for people who haven't heard
0: of Trampoline House before, maybe could you just say a few things that, you, that was done there that would usually yeah. happen? Who, who went to Trampoline House?
1: Yeah, well, it's, uh, the house was mainly actually for uh, asylum seekers in the, in the very beginning and then so th- that was the main focus and then uh, uh, slowly the house started dealing with asylum seekers uh, refugees uh, and all other citizens so so actually um like um, let's say last year so you would you would come in the house you would meet people from all over the world you know like you would so we also had volunteers we had interns we had uh, Um, guests, you know, like people would just come hang out and hear about the place. Uh, Researchers would come there. uh, um, Yeah, but the main focus was refugees and asylum seekers and all the the activities were also designed to kind of you know, uh, so live up to their kind of uh, uh, what they needed. So the, the, the activities were also actually uh, like uh, people's wishes, you know. So they were like, okay. they yeah. so people always wanted to talk to a lawyer and or learn Danish or English or something. So all these activities so also throughout of these ten years practical like, help the asylum
0: process yeah. as well. Okay. Yeah. And when we spoke, yeah, the other day you mentioned this whole sort of idea. I was quite interested in as. Trampoline House as, as sort of an art project, almost as an art project in uh, reality. And could yeah. you, I was wondering if you could say a little more. Yeah, about
2: that's, it? I mean, the, the reason why we were an art project uh, basically was that it was started out by artists, and, and you could also, I mean, I would say that we used our experience from the art world to uh, position Tramp in House. Uh, as an artwork within the society. And that sounds a bit strange, but if you think of a traditional artwork, a painting, and you put it up in a gallery or in a museum, then you know it's art because it's in the museum. (laughs) Uh, And then what happens also is that very often, it loses its political value the moment when it hits the gallery wall Mm -hmm. because it is inserted into the symbolic world of the art art world. The art world is a symbolic uh, place where it's not supposed to have direct political consequences, social consequences. And that's why politicians like that the art stays within the museums and in the galleries because it's safe, it's not dangerous anymore. You might have an artwork that has a political uh, uh, value, but as soon as it hits that wall, it is devoid of that value. Now, as an artist, I've been very pissed about that (laughs) for a number of years. I wanted wanted to to reinsert the art into the public discourse so that it became repoliticized. And that's what we tried to do with uh, Trumpen House. We tried to create an artwork that would perpetually um, you know uh, be obnoxious <laughs> and be relevant, be uh, you know being able to to produce social change and that's what the Trumpen House was able to do. Then people start talking about now it's so now it's social work is not art anymore but this is where uh, we, as artists, were really um, focusing on how to keep the house as a symbolic, um, as a symbolic value that would keep being relevant as a critique of a society. Okay. And that's why our website and you know all our activities were always we were always speaking about. Uh, asylum seekers need better conditions. Most of the people who work with refugees and asylum seekers today, they don't dare speak about it. They make mm. projects and then they don't talk about that they are involving refugees because it's a way of surviving. Mm. We couldn't do that because then we would have lost our, <clears throat> our uh, mandate as, as, as the signpost yeah, in society
0: well why is that a way of surviving is that to do with funding for the projects or yeah because
2: most people don't want to fund uh, refugees in this climate okay you know it's much easier to uh, to uh, talk about uh, uh, youth that are uh, you know in
1: danger somehow like the precariat of, uh, of young people if i may elaborate on this actually like also that we um, So, the things we were discussing in the house, like, weren't really discussed other places. You know, like, with asylum seekers, you know, especially asylum seekers. Because, uh, surprisingly, or maybe not, I'm I'm actually, like, uh, because I've met so many people and and no one knows, or, like, very few people knows how camps are designed, you know, in Denmark, Mm. and how people are... Uh, in 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 what kind of conditions and circumstance are people you know being uh, placed in these places uh, and uh, they have like no one gives them uh, like the opportunity to speak out or to say what they want you know so it's like uh, here you go you have this you have that and you can't come late. You have to be this. Uh, uh, it's very schedule. You know, like schedule and very tight. You know, like. Uh, um, so yeah. So I think we were discussing issues that uh, even mainstream didn't, you know, like uh, discuss. You know. Yeah. Like you put on the TV, you hear refugees, and but but no one talks about. Uh, I think there has been a few videos about camps, but. I I always feel that. The, the, there is not much change you know like uh, I've been to uh, uh, so many I've been volunteering and also working in different NGOs you know but it's it feels like I'm I'm really just always bumping in the the same people you know like meeting the same people and like uh, discussing the same issues and the issues are still there you know and like it just feels like uh, never-ending, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 drama, uh, whatever, you know. And do you think
0: those sort of things which were being discussed in Trampoline House as this or sort of the dialogue happening there about what the camps in Denmark are really like um, and what, yeah, the, the experiences people really having there, were you able to get that into... The Danish mainstream at all, or is that just very difficult to to make other people hear about it, or is it...
2: Well, you know, I I think probably obviously we did we didn't uh, manage to succeed with our goals uh, because uh, then we wouldn't have been in the need we wouldn't have been where we are today with this uh, racist government. That's <laughs> so, like one. Uh, one uh, achievement that we weren't able to to at least get close to, but um, um, I think that uh, well, I don't know. Please rephrase or oh, say it again. I forgot. Well, I just when like how.
0: Um so you were having this sort of alternative, well not alternative, but um, conversations about real, you know, refugee experiences or asylum-seeking experiences in Denmark, mm. and you said that when you um, you're often having these conversations which go round and round within NGOs and within certain circles. Yeah. So I was just asking about your experience of trying to get that message out. To more mainstream people in Denmark yeah. almost you like I wonder if like you said actually it's quite sort of hidden almost the mm-hmm. real experience yeah. of what it's like to be in a camp yeah. so how do you think we can get how do you get that message so that most Danes know about it because like, I doubt they do
1: really mm-hmm. so,
0: almost people
1: yeah. yeah you know I, I think yeah. it was really hard work you know for us because like um, um, also, the politicians always like they they use the their time and their power you know just to promote their own agenda, you know mm-hmm. and like uh, um, so so we were of course fighting to uh, you know to bring awareness and like uh, uh, and teach people about you know like these issues but but when at the same time you whenever you put on the TV, you know like the news is just uh, so like just uh, refugees, uh, they're bad. They're uh, you know here to steal our country, here to rape our women, and you know like these kind of uh, uh, you know uh, like Charities. hate speech and you know. Yeah. Mm.
2: The way I see it is that uh, it was really hard to, to get uh, our uh, our message across to uh, to the big society, mm. but there was another extremely important part of the house which was that it was actually a functioning democratic culture which by the virtue of its existence was proof that another world was possible. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that actually attracted a lot of people. I mean we never had a shortage of, uh, of, uh, of people in the house yeah. because people actually liked the idea that, it, that this was possible. And then uh, it became like an experimental uh, uh, platform for a democracy.
0: And that's quite interesting because of what we've spoken about before, wider democratic issues in Denmark. And uh, you've mentioned before the sort of how difficult it is to gain citizenship in Denmark yeah. and how that relates to um, voting and democracy in Denmark in general I was wondering if you could yeah a little more about that issue I find that interesting
2: I think you asked before uh, something about uh, like this uh, like uh, what is the what why do we have this uh, uh, racist discourse so why is it so strong in Denmark yeah and I've been thinking about that for ages (laughs) I have one possible answer. I'm not saying it's the truth, but but I've been wondering why is it that the politicians are so happy with making it harder to get citizenship? They say that uh, citizenship should be uh, a present or you know a privilege. Uh, they have all these ideas, and that we have to maintain Danish culture, and this is the way to do it because you only get citizenship the moment. When you have proven that you are truly Danish of, in your soul, you know, and and then it's like, what does that even mean? Um, I think it's an impossible question. Like, how can people be Danish in their soul? Just like it's like going to uh, the priest, telling them, I want to be a Christian. The priest. It's not, he's gonna baptize you if you say you're Christian. He's not gonna to try to scrutinize, like, do you really have a Christian soul? It's not possible, but they still want to do that. And, and um, that's where we're heading towards this kind of fascist notion of, of Denmark. Um, I think it's all about power. And power in a democracy is about who has the right to vote. We have—I um, checked it. I checked with the Danish, uh, Denmark Statistic. They have, you know, they. It, it's an, it's, Denmark Statistic is an amazing institution. You can ask them about anything, and they will give you elaborate answers. In Denmark, we have 4.2 million uh, who can vote right now we also have 613,000 uh, who live in Denmark and who are above 18, who cannot vote. That's like roughly an eighth, an eighth of the population who are outside of the uh, political discourse. Mm-hmm. It so happens that a lot of them are brown. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we would have a changed discourse, a better uh, discussion if they could vote because if i mean if there are 600,000 more votes and and half of them are brown then it would not be wise to abuse them in the pub, in the in the media <laughs>
1: yeah because they know what, what would happen yeah. if if these people got you know the right to vote yeah, yeah. i i think it, it yeah it's interesting and scary at the same time you know like uh, like saying at the same like saying on one hand that you want people to to contribute, you have to have a job, you have to have a education, you know, and you have to integrate and mm. and on the other hand you you tell people you're nothing you as soon as it's possible for us to send you back home we we will do that, you know then why the hell you want people to integrate in this society mm. and feel 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 they belong here you know because yeah, this feeling i have sometimes seriously you know that i i i don't feel home completely but i'm lying if i'm saying that i it's always like this you know i i speak the language i work here i i have family here i have friends here and you know, i've even friends more than i have made in syria you know yeah like uh, uh, but at the same time knowing that i'm at one point, this will just be uh, rubbish, you know, like, uh, this will just be uh, uh, whatever, like, uh, if it's seriously up to me, you know, that, that, uh, do you want to leave, then it's, um, I don't think I will ever leave this place, you know, but, but when you always, like, speak to me the way the politicians speak, you know, like, I will seriously start hating this country, you know, Mm. and even its people, you know, because uh, uh, There must be uh, something wrong, you know, these politicians are also voted in uh, the parliament by, you know, the the citizens in in Denmark, you know, and it shows that also that there is lack of uh, You know understanding lack of humanity, uh, solidarity, you know, and all that Um, so it's really stressful when you, from day one, you get this message that you are here, on on a temporary stay. You know, like uh, so I, uh, um, you know, like you 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 can never make your own decision. You can, you you cannot plan for the future. You know, like uh, uh, if if I knew that this would happen, and, and if I was one of these people from Damascus that my residents were about to be revoked you know then i would uh, i would seriously i would just leave the country you know like uh, i would not even have the the you know the uh, passion to just go and complain and you know do all these things you know just to break out of uh, of this place you know like uh, and that's what worries me because
2: if there's people we need in this country is people like agar um, i've known i've known this guy since 2012 and, <laughs> and you know it's not i don't want to talk about uh, like one individual mm. but i know also hundreds of other people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who came to this country with a pl- with a plan first they came because they were super scared and uh, and, and needed protection but Suddenly, it's developed into some kind of plan of having a life. And, uh, and that's so much we need uh, these, peop- these people, people like Aga, to teach us. You know? um, I, have, I, have, I have learned so much about democracy by working in Trump and House for 10 years. And, and you know, it made me so uh, happy. <laughs> you know, it was like, Wow. This is amazing. There's so many options, so many possibilities. And people are ready to work yeah. on this, if you let them. But the way that, that, uh, that they are, uh, you know, defining boundaries again now in, in the Danish uh, government, the way that they're trying to, you know, uh, change the territory of, of Denmark is really, really scary. Uh, and I don't, need, I don't think I can live <laughs> in this society that they want. No. Uh, it's not healthy. It's not a healthy place to, to live, um, and we have to fight it. As a Dane, I have to fight it. Uh, I'm I'm hoping for your help. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's why. That's also why why I wanted to have the Trumpen House as as a, as a territory because I needed the help of the newcomers to to save
1: Denmark from itself. Mm. There's one, one thing maybe I should actually mention here, you know, that uh, um, I didn't choose Denmark in the first place, you know, like uh, so I, I I left. Maybe we don't need to go in details about this. My uh, my journey, you know, that uh, that is still uh, didn't finish somehow. You know, I feel sometimes seriously it's still ongoing. that I didn't. My plan was I was I was heading to Sweden. Just because I have some family members there, you know, relatives and stuff. So, and even didn't have any idea about the Swedish or the Swedish culture, society and so forth. So I was, uh, I was scoped here. So when people ask me, uh, why did you choose Denmark? I will tell them it was a mistake actually. Uh, So I was uh, unlucky, but... uh, But after some time, you know, like after a year or two years, I started telling people that actually I was lucky, you know, that I was caught here because I really like this place, you know, that I... I somehow found my way to like this place and it worked out for me, you know. And I went to Sweden many times and I I just felt that, uh, well, Sweden is nice, uh, fun and everything. But um, I'm, I have a life already there in, in Denmark, you know. Although I like spend uh, almost a year and a half in, in camp, you know, like uh, um, that was, uh, yeah, so useless. I did nothing, you know, like it was just, uh, so the first year I hated everything. And then I started liking this people, this country, the language and everything, you know. But now I'm feeling that I'm actually going back to the first year when I arrived, mm. you know, now with this uh, shit storm, you know, about the Syrian that I uh, and it's hard for me, you know, to like I'm, I'm trying to uh, resist all these, you know, like just not to start having this. Uh, um, um, you know, what you call, uh, like, uh, having this hate, uh, uh, you know, which is very ugly, you know, that I I really hate to have. I never hated anyone or anything or any uh, country or anything, you know, like that. But um, but I feel that slowly this uh, these things are coming back to me, you know. That uh, I was speaking to a friend the other day that, uh, I seriously, if I get the opportunity to go somewhere else, I would... Um, i would consider this where before i would not even consider go leaving maybe i would like to i used to say that i would like to go and leave somewhere for half a year just to to do something that i of my choice you know like because i i left the country that wasn't even my choice i i you know all the things i have been through that were kind of made uh, by other people or uh, you know yeah right. and I was just gonna,
0: um, I was going to finish off because I wanted to just ask you if there are people listening to this podcast who would like to get involved with the sort of trampoline house cause or maybe get involved with um, the sort of protest you're engaging in against the sort of Danish government decisions like how could they go about that and possibly you could actually just say what's happening now with uh, Trampoline House and what your plans are. Yeah.
2: Well, we're hoping to uh, to start up uh, a weekend Trampoline House. Uh, I mean, the, the problem, our challenge is that uh, we were we're homeless now. Uh, I mean, we lost uh, the building that we were um, living in, <laughs> and uh, the. We, we, need to, we need to have a new, uh, a new place where we can gather and discuss what will be the future of Trump in House. Because actually, I mean, us sitting here, we're both working uh, for this uh, weekend Trump in House. But actually, we cannot ourselves define how we should continue, because uh, we, need, we need the people from the camps to tell us that. So, and that's why we need uh, a weekend tramping house where we can meet up, discuss and figure out what will be the future. Uh, because that's how the house has always worked. At the house meetings, we were discussing what will the next step be and, and what are the, the huge problems that we need to uh, start trying to solve. Um, most likely, we will have uh, somewhere to meet Within one month to one and a half month, so we will call for people to show up uh, at this place. Um, and you should, uh, you know, uh, stay stay tuned on our uh, our uh, Facebook and uh, our uh, website because there will be there will be uh, calls for uh, action uh, within the next month or so.
0: Thanks to Morton and Agap for joining us on Crossing Borders Conversations. Crossing Borders works with migrants and refugees in Denmark and internationally. If you want to help us empower people through dialogue, consider becoming a member for only 25 kroner a month at crossingborders.dk. Thanks for listening.